Hi, everybody. It's Brad Peterson. Welcome to another episode of the SMH Lab, Sports, Music, Mental Health. On this episode, I'll be flying solo as we're just going to be talking about distance running, coaching distance runners, and specifics of training. Uh, we have numerous guests on this podcast, and we actually divide into two parts. So this is part one, about a half hour's worth. And this came about because Coach Joe Eby at Baldwin-Wallace Baldwin University read this book, Enduring Wisdom, by Gwen and Derek Leininger, and had some questions about the book and people in the book. So we are fortunate to have the Leininers on the podcast, the authors of the book. We also have myself. I was one of the subjects of the book, um, they, which was about the top Indiana coaches and how they did things. And then Josh Fletcher, the previous high school coach at Northridge High School, where they had a state championship in 04. Also, he has great success at Penn High School with the girls. And then Zach Raber, who was a, an outstanding high school coach at Carroll High School, um, he also joins us. And both Zach and Josh are now coaches at Trine University together, which is pretty scary. So... And then I, my, my success was mainly at Northrop High School and Concordia High School back from, man, 99 to, to 2008 or so before I went to the, the college ranks for a while. So we talk about mileage, mileage per week, mileage in the summertime. We talk about the adjustment from high school to college and why that adjustment does not go very well for many high schoolers that are in good high school programs there's, there's a lot of times there's a struggle at the college level or maybe they don't end up getting any better we talk about that we also obviously talk about the book and why Gwen and Derek wrote it so enjoy everybody welcome to the SMH podcast this is Brad Peterson we have a special episode tonight featuring numerous guests. We're going to talk about this amazing book by the Lineers, Derek and Gwen, entitled <laughs> Enduring Wisdom. Joe Eby, the coach at Baldwin Wallace, read this book recently and had numerous questions about the book. So we have the Lineers joining us. We have myself, who I'm, I'm in the book, Josh Fletcher, coach at Trine University, is in the book, and Zach Raber. Also, coach the better coach at Trine University is also. <laughs> I think I got it. So we're going to jump right in. Gwen and Derek, why did you decide to write this book, and why did you use the unusual format that you used? If you could explain all that, and was it enjoyable? Yeah, so I'll talk a little bit about kind of why we started it, and Gwen can talk a little about the format. So um, we wrote this book actually as we were exiting coaching. Gwen and I had coached together for a number of years. I'd coached before, um, but by myself before we got married. But then when we got married, we coached together. And as we were leaving, we'd noticed that, you know, for several years before we left, many other coaches that we'd been really looked up to and really, you know, learned a lot from had also left. And, you know, this podcast is a great example at the time that we left coaching, um, you know, Brad, you were coaching at college and, uh, and Zach had moved on um, out of the high school ranks. Um, and we just, a lot of, a lot of the coaches that I kind of grew up with as a young coach looking up to and learning from had left. And then you also had the baby boomer generation of coaches who were starting to retire. And over the course of several years, 
the landscape of coaching just changed so much. And so many of these Hall of Fame amazing coaches had moved on to college or had retired. And we really looked at kind of a gap. We looked at the landscape of coaching and how few uh, coaches remaining that I really looked at as, as, you know, the elite coaches. And so we really wrote the book as um, kind of a, a tribute to those coaches. But also, I mean, the question we try to ask ourselves was, what do young coaches need to know? What wisdom can we collect from these group of coaches that we could impart to the next generation? And, uh, and so we, we really just tried to capture what those coaches did. That was so amazing because a lot of them had, you know, years and years of experience. And the idea really was if a young coach were to read this book, they would have some tools, some, some resources, some information that would help them quickly develop as a coach. Gotcha. And just to clarify, Derek, you're saying that Josh Fletcher, Zach Raver, and Brad Peterson are all Hall of Fame coaches. <laughs> in, in the Derek Leidinger Hall of Fame, you are all first first ballot Hall of Famer. Oh, that's that's all I need. That's all I Thank need. You. Thank you. Derek. Yes. Uh, Joe, see, Joe just got done reading this book like a week ago or so. Uh, he's read like 87 books to his like one during the quarantine. Um, so what were your thoughts on the book, Joe? Yeah, I, I, I really liked it a lot. Um, you know, you kind of mentioned this, it's, it's a very unique concept. Um, and, and I thought the info out of it was, was really, really good. I, I, I heard it mentioned on, on the podcast that you, that you and, uh, Derek had done. And, uh, so I, I was out working in the garden and bought it immediately as That's soon as it got brought up and the garden thing's funny. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I bought it and then, and then I got it and, and started flipping through it and was really excited to kind of dive in and, and learn a little bit. Um, you know, spent a little time in Indiana and knew a handful of the coaches out of there. And, um, you know, I've never really read a book like that before. Uh, so it was, it was pretty, pretty interesting to, to get in and, and kind of learn a lot more. Awesome. Yeah. And so, Thank so you. Joe, Joe Eby, Josh Fletcher, Derek Reiner are the, are the only ones in history to be on this podcast twice in this long history. <laughs> there it is. But congratulations to Zach and Gwen for your debuts. Thank, thanks for having us. Brad. Yes. Yeah. Zach, we may kick you off halfway, but we'll see. Okay. Uh, Gwen, what did you learn specifically from the coaches you interviewed for the book that you wish you knew when you were an excellent, don't be humble now. An excellent collegiate <laughs> runner, very good 10K runner at Anderson University. Thank you, Brad. Well, um, I think we divided the book into two parts, and I learned specifically a lot from the first part. So let me talk about the way we organized it first. Um, the organization was um, – the first part is more on leadership and coaching philosophy, and the second part is specifics of training. And we knew with it being a running book, people would want to be able to open it and find out what does this coach say about long runs and this one say about VO2 intervals. They want to be able to find that. We didn't want to totally bury that stuff. But it's also leadership philosophies, the personalities of the coaches first, because that stuff was indispensable to who these coaches are and the impact they've had. And the runners that they've influenced would tell you that their leadership styles and the team culture that they created, that those things are significant. So we didn't want to just talk about training. And so those, those things that were not the training were the things that I 
really learned a lot from that I wish I had known earlier. Um, And that's not because I knew a lot about training, but it's because I had coaches who knew a lot about training and I was lucky. I went to um, Rushville for high school and then Anderson University. And both in both of those places, I, I was just doing whatever my coaches said. I was kind of that personality of even if they had told me something terrible, I would have just done it. Um, so I was pretty lucky. And um, so rather than those specifics, I was, it confirmed to me learning from these coaches that the coaching that I had was scientifically, uh, it stood up and it was, it was really helpful to me to know that, but also it taught me that what that the mental side and the leadership thought side that I really could have that the stuff that that everyone said about it being mental and about having um, a mindset and the difference that that makes that that was never just all talk and um, yeah so specifically we talked in one of our chapters about competition um, and about an abundance mindset and, how, and then how all of these coaches had an abundance mindset and this idea that they can, they don't have to hide their secrets from one another and that they can learn from each other. And I'm, you know, no one's ever, you know, everyone's always said there's no I in team. And I've always known that, but I was also very competitive. But there's an I in win, Gwen, according to my <laughs> That's right. So there's, there's, I've always been competitive and I always, I still think that was a good thing. Um, but I was never really looking for what I could learn from other people. And I think I did miss out on not just good training, but some good relationships and connections for my future, because I didn't understand until talking to all of these coaches, how much of a network the Indiana running community really is. So being able to, um, really be part of that network is something that I wish I had known earlier. Yeah. You know, that's interesting because um, Tim rail was on recently and he, he was like joking around that, that if he asked any coaches for their secrets, they would just lie. But uh, <laughs> I mean, I know he was just kidding, but I, I've never done that. And I know Josh Fletcher hasn't done that. Josh and I had sat down um, 15 years ago before we even knew each other and before we shared hotel rooms. <laughs> and uh, on many glorious evenings and, and shared all of our secrets, training secrets, not other secrets. <laughs> and, um, and Zach Raver, he had he had me over uh, and Derek Leiner over and some other idiot, I think Woody maybe, over to his house. And, and we uh, and we talked training. We didn't hold anything back. And I know Derek Leiner and I, we've always been the same way. So I agree that Eric Kellison, a great coach, um, we, um, we were just fortunate. We kind of got lucky. We went. Um, my guys went first and second in the mile one year from Northrop. Um, his kid, Aaron Fisher, got third, but he actually had fallen on the original start. It's a long story. But anyway, when that was all over with, Eric Eric and I, I hated Eric, even though I didn't know him. But he called me that summer on my landline, believe it or not. And, uh, <laughs> and, at, and he was like, all right, you've, you've, uh, you've proven that your guys are, you know, you're training your guys better than me. Like, what are your secrets? And I drove down to Indy and, and we became close friends ever since. And so did all of a sudden Josh and I are heading to Kellison's Lake Cottage up in Michigan and talking training. And, you know, yeah, it's a very cool network. But um, I digress. 
Uh, next question is, uh, why do many really good high school coaches, many, many really good high school kids that run for really good high school coaches struggle in college? I love this question, Joe, because many, many of my kids have gone off and not done well and maybe gotten worse. I know Josh would say the same and Zach would say the same, Derek, et cetera. Um, what, what do you think about that? Go ahead, Gwen. Uh, well, obviously, this is going to be generalizing because there's a myriad reasons, really. Um, when you think about going to a new place, you're living in a new place with all new people. But, but just to generalize, I think there's a shift from having the structure outside of you to inside of you. So in high school, you can get away with maybe doing it for other people. And maybe not having great habits or internal motivation, but your coach is investing a lot into you and motivating you. And your parents are there. They're coming to every meet. They're, maybe they're doing your laundry and washing your, your running shorts and um, all of that stuff that maybe you've got some of this structure outside of you that's um, holding you up. But then in most, I think, in my experience at least, most college programs are not that way and that they, they are assuming you're an adult and you're here because you want to be here. You have to keep yourself accountable a lot more, um, not just for putting in the miles, but for getting sleep, eating, eating well, not partying every night. And um, you have to keep yourself accountable. But beyond even that, in a mental way, you have to have the structure on the inside. So what I mean by that is that uh, mentally at that level of training, what you're doing is, is hard uh, unless you take an interest in what's happening inside your body. So not just on the outside with the results and is my time faster than it was last week? And did I beat that girl that I got beat by last time? Not just that, but you have to be interested in the science of how is my body responding to this little change in my training that, I, that my coach and I talked about together and decided on. And if I'm not interested in that, and if I'm not interested in talking to my coach and making suggestions and saying, I think I can, I think it would be a good idea. What do you think? In college, the coach isn't necessarily going to have the time to come to pull me along on that. Totally. It's those small changes you have to pay attention to at that level. And it, you have to, it has to be internally motivated there. Right, and obviously Josh and Zach have great experience because both went from a high level of high school success to, to now coaching college. So, Josh, you go, and then Zach. Hi, hello, everyone. Um, Hi. Josh. And I was, Hi, Josh. <laughs> hello. Long time, Zach. So, um, you got me a beer, Josh? Yeah, I'll get you one. Hold on. Uh, he's at my house right now, for the record. <laughs> so, uh, I, I, and I, I agree with what Gwen said, and um, I just want to add a couple things. I think, one – you know, in high school, it typically, you know, middle school running is, is middle school running. It's, it's pretty much a joke, and, and it probably should be. Uh, when, they get to high, when they get to high school, it's their first really chance to be molded 
into the runner and, it, it, you know, it had these personality traits and these um, work ethics are kind of molded. And it's really hard for kids to leave that perfect mold, you know, it, at least what they think is perfect. You know, they might have a horrible coach, but that kid doesn't know that. So, you know, they're leaving this perfect mold. And when they go to a completely different system, a lot of times they can't handle it for those reasons that, that Gwen talked about. But I think that the biggest issue is the timing of it. They get bought into this high school program. And I know I was one of those kids at Northridge back in the early 90s, and I bought into everything. And when I left, it was hard for me to listen to somebody else. Uh, so when I was a high school coach, my, my last thing I told the kids before they left, whether it was at a um, – what, what, what are those things called we don't have anymore? Uh, graduation parties? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, last thing I told them was, like, listen, please give this new guy or girl a chance. You know, you have to be open to new things. Um, and now that I'm on the other side with, with Coach Raver, that, you know, I think – him and I, we try to keep that in mind. We try to be um, hands-on. We try to be understanding. We try to uh, um, create a new culture for them to buy into. Uh, some kids just don't, but I think our success rate's higher uh, than other co- other college coaches, not Joe, obviously, but other ones um, because we also we have that perspective from high school. Um, it's just hard for kids to accept a new program, a new system, a new way, new wordage, et cetera. Zach, what do you think, Zach? Money? Yeah, no, I, I agree with a lot of that. That's, you know, the biggest thing I think, you know, being on the other side and as a high school coach and now as a college coach, you know, I think um, a lot of it is that kids need to pick the right school if they want to be successful. Yep. And Try. picking the right school is yeah, it's not, it's not always the big school. It's not always the school that's had all the success. You have to have a connection with that coach uh, and with that school in order to be comfortable in your environment uh, and the environment is going to be different, but if you're not comfortable, it's not going to go well. Um, you have to buy in immediately. You can't, there can't be a grace period of, of two months where you're kind of feeling things out. I mean, if, if you buy in right away, I think you're going to have success probably much earlier. Um, you know, one thing that, that I talk with my athletes about and with kids that we're recruiting, and I know Josh has heard me say this before, but happy people run fast. And if they're not happy in the environment they're in, whether that's school or the coaching situation or their teammates, then they're just not going to run fast. Um, and that's, that's kind of what we try to do at Trine is, uh, is create an environment where they're going to be happy. And if they're going to be happy, they're going to be fast. Can I, can I interject here real quick? Get it, Joe. How much do you guys try to do things similar at the collegiate level that you did uh, at the high school level with your team and the camaraderie of the team and, and so on and so forth. Do you think that plays a role in you guys being as successful as you are? Uh, I yeah. think yes. I know when I, when I came in, I have all, I had all these hopes and dreams of doing all these things. And honestly, I just kind of ran out of time. <laughs> yeah. As you know, as you know, Joe, there's, there's, there's all these other requirements as a, as a, as a head coach, you know, whether that's recruiting, whether that's budgeting, whether that's just, you know, kissing ass to your AD, whatever that is, uh, excuse me. Uh, but like, you know, so I had all these hopes and dreams of doing more of those. I think we've done some, whether that might be a bonfire, whether that be, you know, Monday, Tuesday meetings with, you know, with, 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 with each gender, you know, just trying to, you know, build that team culture. Um, but I definitely think it's part of it. I think we can do a better job. Uh, there's different programs that do more. Um, but I think it's, it's, it's always on my mind. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Culture is a big part of it. You know, uh, from my own running experience in college, you know, I did run for my teammates. That was a big deal. Um, and I didn't want to let them down. And I, I think currently at Trine, it's taken several years to get there. But 
I think our kids do buy into that. You know, they don't want to let each other down. They're in it for each other as well. Um, they're not going to miss that long run. If, if five or six or seven of the other guys are all going out on Sunday together, they want to go too. Uh, at least the ones that want to uh, succeed at a really high level. So I, I think uh, that culture part, you know, that Josh and I, and you know, and Brad, I know you, you did this and, and Derek and Gwen, but that culture portion that you get in high school, I think you do. They're, they're looking for that. Uh, at least a portion of that once they get to college as well. Right. Right. I will say on my end, like I've had just a lot of disappointing experiences with my, my best, best runners. Um, not to name any names, but, uh, you know, they, you, you talk to the college coach and they ask you, what did you do with them? Send me everything you did. So then I do, I take that time to, you know, give them every single bit of data that they did. And then to see that they went from 35 miles a week in high school to two months later running 70 miles a week. And then, you know, that's really disappointing to me. And it, and it builds, uh, it builds a lot of distrust in me. Like right now, like if I, I, I have a really good kid right now that, you know, he's asked me what he should do. And I'm just kind of like, why don't you just stay, why don't you stay close to home and, and let me help whoever coaches you coach, you, you know, because I don't, I don't, I don't have any faith anymore that these guys are telling the truth. You know, I'm not saying there's not any good college coaches out there, but, and I'm sure people make fun of me for being a micromanager at the high school level. Um, I know Scott Liskin at Westfield, who was, I had tremendous respect for. I remember I didn't make fun of him, but I know people made fun of him. Like, Oh, he's such a micromanager. Like, like at 11, 11 a.m., you have to go to the bathroom at 11, 22 a.m. Like he would have that typed out for his girls, like put your spikes on and tie your shoes at 11, 23 and be on the start line at 11, 25. And, <laughs> but it worked. You know, it worked. Like yep. he was amazing. Like, and then they go to college and they're not micromanaged. Well, I think there's a fine line between micromanagement and then just, you know, leaving them completely alone and not giving them that individualized instruction. Um, or like, you know, there's Alan Webb who, I mean, if I was on Webb's coach in college, I'd be like, hey, what do you do? Can you just give me his journal from high school? He's just going to do those same workouts again, except just a tad faster. Like, why would I think I know more than that? You know, but instead he and again, I'm not I'm not trying to be critical of anybody, but instead he did. If you look at the the, the book that was written, the four minute mile book, whatever, um, he did way more miles and he got slower. Um, so I'm a little. I'm a little distrusting of college coaches, especially those guys. Uh, yeah. Wallace, though, man, yeah, uh -huh. He always a straight shooter. Um, just kidding. Everybody. I'm not a straight shooter. What the heck? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, good point. Uh, send the yeah. So uh, I want to do one more question before we take a break. How, how many miles do you want your kids running in the summer? And what time frame is that? Like, is that, is that in, in eight weeks or is that 12 weeks that you, I always counted as 12 weeks. Like if I want 500 miles, I would count June, July, August. Cause I don't think high school kids should be doing 500 miles in eight weeks. But um, also do you have up weeks and down weeks, regeneration weeks, et cetera. Um, why don't you go ahead and, and, and answer that? D Derek, what did you do? Yeah, I, I think 12 weeks is a good number. We used to do, you know, like mileage T-shirts, you know, 500-mile summer, you know, club, that sort of stuff. Um, we always count the first day we start, which is typically the Monday after the state track meet, and then we pretty much go through Labor Day, so about 12 weeks. Um, we, all, we always shot for, you know, our varsity boys, older varsity boys to be at least 50 miles or above. Um, now, how much higher than that you take them, I think, is is individualized. I mean, some kids, some of our kids were in the 60s. 
Um, some of our kids hit 70 every once in a while, but we were pretty much 50 to 60. Um, and then girls more like 35 to 40, 45. Um, one of the things that, and maybe we'll talk about it later, but one of the things we talked about with girls is they're running, you know, slower, like maybe a minute to a minute and a half slower um, on typical run. Except your wife. Except for my wife. She's a minute and a half faster than I am. Um, that's, a, that's a bad example, Brad. So, uh, <laughs> but like, you know, if a girl, if a girl's running, you know, averaging eight minute pace per mile and a boy's averaging, averaging seven, and you calculate that as, you know, they both run 50 miles, well, the girl's actually running, you know, almost an hour more than the boy is throughout the week because her miles are taking a little bit longer. So we, we would, we would calculate it by mileage, but we'd really kind of pay attention to the minutes as well. Um, I think that's really important too for, for JV kids. Like if you send, you know, if you send kids out for a 40 minute run and your varsity, you know, boys get four or six miles in and then, uh, you know, your, your JV girl, she's only running 12 minute pace. She only gets three and a half. Well, you, 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 there's still 40 minutes. It's still 40 minutes of, you know, getting your, getting your heart rate in that right zone and, and doing the things for your body. Um, so I think particularly with your younger JV and then we look at gender difference, I think minutes compared to miles is important, but that was, those were kind of some of our basic parameters. We always had, you know, you guys, you, you all know this. We always had mid distance guys. Like we had very few like true strength, long distance runners at Snyder when we coached. So if you can get those guys in the fifties, you know, mix that with their, with their raw speed and talent, like they're going to, they're going to run some pretty decent five Ks. Hmm. I wonder why that was Derek, why they were. <laughs> well, I might have a bias towards that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you were. Yeah. You did get a medal. Now, <laughs> uh, now, Derek, did you say you had a 12 minute mile girl? I'm saying like, like a, like a young JD girl who runs an easy, an easy run and maybe she's running 12 minute per mile pace. You know, like right. Well, I thought you were talking about Ashley Fletcher for a second there. Or, <laughs> hey, uh, or Becky Becky Eby. Just didn't know. I don't know how fast Ray <laughs> is. Um, but yeah, still fight you. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like Josh's wife actually yeah. like she can go eleven fifty nine right now tonight. That's pretty solid. Um, She's painting our kitchen right now. Yeah, she is. So she, she is. Be very... I can <laughs> but as far as Josh, want to talk about time on your feet. Yeah. Yeah, so what, you know, I agree with you, what you're saying is it's basically time on your feet, you know. So that 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 uh, if you have a super superstar uh, a girl, you know, she can run the same mileage as guys because the time on the feet's the same. Right. But, but I agree with um, what you're saying with someone super super slow, uh, you know, they're taking more steps, they're more time on their feet, more pounding. So yeah, it just makes sense from what you're saying to adjust that and pay attention to minutes. And what about from a college perspective with mileage, Joe and Zach? Like what? What are those? Are these guys running a hundred miles a week all summer? What are they doing? Um, I want everybody to arrive on August sixteenth, fit and healthy. So, you know, everything that we do is so individualized. We have some kids that are um, super injury prone, and they cross train a ton. And then we have other kids that are just, uh, you know, we had a kid a couple years ago who was getting like up to one hundred and ten uh, for a week. Um, so it, it really just, it really depends for us on what the kid can handle and, and how I can get them to uh, day one of, of camp healthy and, and, and fit and spending, you know, I think, you know, it's, it's time on your feet. And I also think it's time that your heart rate is elevated. So 
we've kind of found a pretty good balance with some of these kids where um, they cross train their tails off. And so they'll be on the bike or elliptical or in the pool or whatever uh, pretty extensively for, for a lot of the stuff that they do and um, you know, workouts and long runs hopefully can happen and, and races uh, obviously, but um, whatever we got to do between them to get the heart rate up and elevated for longer periods of time. That's what we try to do. And Zach, you, you guys are probably hitting like 90 a week. I'm talking yeah. about your men. They're hitting about 90 a week right now, and your women maybe 50 to 60. Um, that's what we want to get them to. You know, we, we took a break not that long ago. So, you know, honestly, you, you were kind of talking about eight or 12 weeks in the summer for high school and that kind of stuff. But, honestly, it's just more about progression. What's the right progression for them? Um, I really don't ever increase uh, on a weekly mileage more than like five or six miles in a week. So for our guys, you know, that are 90 plus miles a week, when they come in in August, you know, they may only be at 90 for, you know, three weeks going into it because it took so long to make it up to 90. Um, You know, the one thing I think we have to remember as collegiate coaches is you might have a great summer and you might have two months at 90 miles a week, but then you have to race all year long. So that's a really long time to hold a super high mileage, um, especially with the workload we have at trying. So. Um, you know, it's more about their natural progression. Um, but I did, you know, I'm going to name drop a little bit here. Uh, I talked to Joe Vigil one time about mileage. And, uh, you know, he, he was big in high mileage. But he said to me, he talked about yeah, little, Dina. little Dina did a lot. Um, but he said, you know, if you want to be good at 5K, you got to run at least 50 miles a week. If you want to be good at 6K, yep. you got to be at least 60. And if you want to be good at 8K, you got to run 80. For 10K, you need to be 100. Well, that's interesting. So, and you know, I never the, about that. the more the more I look at that, and the, and the longer I've been doing this, I, I buy into that more and more. Yeah, that's interesting. Hey Zach, yeah, that, that'd be like four hundred miles. Yeah, that calculation. I was gonna say that calculation breaks down for the marathon. You'd be Gary Lindgren do that stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, I, I'm not sure that works for the marathon, but it works pretty good up to ten k. <laughs> I love that though. I love that. That makes sense. Yeah, if you're running six k, like like. You guys get to 6K, right, Zach? At the end yeah, of the year? well, our women are 6K, yeah. Right, so that so 60 yep. miles a week and, and 80 miles a week. Now, for now I never to kind of that. piggyback off what Joe said, you know, we do have some kids, they just can't do that. So how do we get to that? Well, 10 minutes of cross-train. You get, you cut it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, well, sorry. Well, you know, sorry, 10 minutes ahead. of cross-train, whether that's swim, bike, or elliptical, we count that as a mile. So, uh, yeah. I like that. So. All right, we're going to take a quick break. I got sponsors. <laughs> so that was part one. Thanks a lot for listening. Make sure that you check out part two. That'll be coming out in the next couple weeks. We actually add Hannah Weiss from Capital University onto that one. But um, everybody else will still be there on part two talking about more specifics of distance training, distance coaching at the high school and college level. And also make sure that you follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook. You can give us reviews at iTunes or on Facebook. Um, It is up now on iTunes as well as it's always been out on Anchor and Spotify. But we keep having um, our listeners keep increasing from week to week. So we're pretty excited And if you have any messages to send our way or anything that you particularly like or dislike, let me know. If you want to get rid of the podcast host, that is not an option. But have a good one.